start the show, Logan. I'm not helping you. This until is until hour two. I'm not helping you. I'm turning the mic uh, off. Sportsnet today. Until you tell me where my tea is. Teamwork. You're on Sportsnet. Mom, come pick me up. I'm scared. <laughs> Give me my tea back. What a mess. Did either did either my producer see me take the tea? I cannot confirm nor exactly. deny I watched a tea get stolen. Exactly. He's literally left the mic. Get back here. <laughs> Just walked out. Get back here. This is unbelievable. Hour one's in the books. I did it by myself. Apparently I'm going to do hour two by myself too. Pat Steinberg's supposed to be here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios doing actual work. I don't have it. Hour one, we had George Richards on the program from Florida Hockey Now. Uh, you don't have it, huh? <laughs> I didn't have it. Yeah, did I have it? You didn't hide that, hey? You put it there. No, I did not put it there. At our uh, off-season, you should have been here for that, Pat. It was really great. Checked in on the Florida Panthers, our uh, NHL offseason interview. Okay. It's been really good. Sure it was. Uh, woo, we did it. What kind of TV you got there? An Emperor's Clouds and Mist. I don't even know what that is. The house green Sounds tea fake. Starbucks. Delicious. You happy now? I'm happy that I have my tea. Stupid guy. You didn't even react to the tack on your seat. Stupid thing. Useless. It's sideways. Useless. So Logan has two. If you're just joining us and wondering what the hell are these idiots talking about, Logan has two tricks. Logan is a two-trick pony. True. One of them is putting a tack upright on my seat and yep. getting me to sit on it. Yep. And then it plunges directly into my right ass cheek. And that is, <laughs> that's one, that's one of them. And he gets me on that a few times a year. And the other one is hiding my tea and anything. If I bring lunch in, he'll hide... So he has two tricks. Yep. And then his game is that he pretends he feigns he feigns this knowledge book. of it. I don't know what you're talking about. I did every time. And I would say five times out of ten, I start to you gaslight me into believing <laughs> that I did it. Logan is an expert gaslighter. <laughs> For somebody that doesn't ever change up the scenarios in which I uh mess with my coworkers. It is incredible that even once you've believed I've had nothing to do with it. So there you go. Uh, hi, Pat. Hi, buddy. How are you, pal? Uh, lots to get to this hour. Can Coming you tell up. it's August 17th? <laughs> lots of breaking news. Jeez. Lots to get to. Um, we will uh, later on this hour. Looking forward to this. Uh, get to chat with a uh, former member of the Calgary Flames, now Toronto Maple Leafs uh, defenseman TJ Brody and his wife Amber are going to join us. Okay. This afternoon, looking forward to chatting with TJ and Amber. Uh, Burgers to Beat MS, they've teamed up with A&W Canada to uh, raise money uh, to help find a cure for MS. Pat, you'll remember uh, covering the Flames for as long as you have that Amber got diagnosed with MS mm-hmm. uh, while she, while TJ and her were here in Calgary. And it was uh, a big reason for TJ's decision to actually go and sign with Toronto when he became a free agent because... He wanted to make sure that Amber had lots of friends and family close by when he was on the road and with his family and and her family knowing so many people in and around the Toronto area, it became a big life decision for them. 
And ever since then, they've been looking at new ways to try to raise money to find a cure. And uh, they've teamed up with A&W selling some teen burgers to have donations go towards MS Canada. Uh, so we'll chat with them coming up a little bit later on this hour about how that's going. And we'll even check in on what it's like for TJ. His old GM's back in town, right? Yeah. Some familiar faces uh, in Toronto. So looking forward to chatting with TJ uh, about that, I want to say that I I want to say that TJ Brody is still top ten in terms of all times games all time games played for the Calgary Flames. I'm just going to pull it up right Wasn't now. Wasn't that many? He played a lot of games, and it may not be top ten, but he is uh, he's he is yeah he's tenth. Six hundred and thirty four games played is tenth all time on uh, the Flames games played list, which is actually when you think about it. You're like, geez, that's a that's a significant amount of games played by the Flames and or with the Flames. Like he's ahead of Gary Suter, Johnny, um, you know, guy Newendike, McCown, uh, Gary Roberts. So he played Matt Stage and played more than all these guys, um, but was one of those players that I don't think necessarily um, was thought of like that, right? I didn't. Even as you brought that up, I didn't realize since his. Three game stint in 2010 2011. He was almost a regular in the lineup. He was never hurt until 2019 2020. That's yeah. almost a decade yeah. in, in flame soaks for TJ Brody. And you're right, I wouldn't have associated him with that kind of timeline in Calgary. A really good defenseman. I know he didn't, um, didn't always, uh, didn't always necessarily get recognized for what he did, but I, I always felt like, uh, TJ. Suffered from Jay Bomeister syndrome because mm-hmm. he did so many things well, but quietly well. And as a result, never, I, I don't feel like he ever actually got the, the due that he deserved for how good he was as a defenseman on this. Team. No, he was never flashy, right? And then one mistake comes out. I, I want to say it was against Columbus at one point. I remember a three on three overtime. And I can't remember either his stick broke. Or he just he flubbed on the pass from behind his own net, went right out front to a Blue Jackets player, and of course they scored three on three overtime. Game's over, and oh, you know, TJ, what are you doing? You can't be my boy. But but no mention of the twenty six minutes of really solid, you know, pairing with with Mark Giordano or the power play time or mm-hmm. the penalty kill time because he really was. It just so quiet, and it, it fits. His, it's funny. His style of play kind of fit his personality off the ice too, right? He's he's a pretty quiet, quiet guy, yeah. unassuming guy, and that's kind of how he was on the ice too. So, yeah, I wouldn't have guessed had you had you put that number in front of me that he was here for almost a decade of games uh, for the Calgary Flames: 81, 81, 70, 82, 73, 79, 64. Like, a long-time member of the Calgary Flames, a good draft pick by them, too. I will always remember one of the most resounding memories of TJ Brody. I remember the first year where he really jumped off the page and made a push in training camp, made the team out of camp, then got uh, sent back. The next year, had another good camp, but they he did not make the team out of camp. Uh, Anton Babchuk got hurt in November, I believe it was, broke his hand or his finger, and that was when TJ got recalled for the first time that season uh, and then never looked back. He did go back to the American League because there was a lockout and went and played with uh, the Axar Ben Knights. But 
from that point forward, he was an NHLer and never looked back. And the the resounding memory I have was that uh, January January or February game in Boston where the Flames got beat nine nothing, and Chris Butler was a minus seven. Um, I always like feel. I talked to Chris the two or three days after that game and about that game, and I will always remember Chris Butler talking like straight up, looking me in the eye, telling me how embarrassing that was and just how like how he wants to make amends for it. And like, you know, plus minus is what it is, but dash seven, like that is a painful. Anyway, TJ Brody was plus not or, or was even in that game, a game where you lose nine, nothing. TJ was the only player, not a minus in that game. And uh, I just remember that vividly because everybody was talking about how is a player who played like 20 minutes how did TJ Brody end up even in a game the Flames lost 9 nothing? Uh, so looking forward to chatting with TJ and his wife Amber coming up a little bit later on this hour. But uh, right now, Pat, wanted to start uh, the CFL conversation. Week 11 kicks off tonight. The winless Edmonton Elks are into Hamilton to take on the Ticats. Uh, but for us here in Calgary, we're looking ahead to tomorrow night's game at McMahon Stadium. 7-2 Bombers, 3-6 and six Stampeders. It's legacy night. Some of the alum are already in town. We're expecting more to come in the next 24 hours as they celebrate uh, some great teams of Stampeders past. And uh, along with, of course, the, being the day before the game, we got our depth charts and position charts for the game and some interesting notes to look for for the Calgary Stampeders. Clark Barnes, as we assumed, is out. Uh, he had a brace on his leg during practice this week, but... Uh, that means the return of Markeith Ambles to the slot back position. Uh, Brad Muhammad is out for the DBs. And Jonathan Moxie is a game-time decision. Interesting, too, at the quarterback position, we see a switch at third-string quarterback. Chris Reynolds is out. Logan Bonner is in. Uh, how are we feeling as you look at this roster for the Stampeders ahead of tomorrow's match against the Bombers? Um, I... It's a, t- it's a tough out for them. I do feel like the Stamps have done a good job this year of getting up for top opponents. I mean, maybe last week notwithstanding. But I feel like when talking about games they've played against the Bombers, uh, they, they, they played well against Winnipeg last time out. I know they ended up losing that game, but they were right with them. And then the Bombers kind of pulled away in the second half, which they are prone to do. That is, over the last three, four years, I don't know if there's a better fourth quarter team in the CFL than the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are. So I like the way the Stamps played the last time they played Winnipeg this season. And I just, I talked to, we talked a little bit about this yesterday or the day before. Jake Mayer has historically played well against Winnipeg. And for whatever reason, the Bombers have brought the best out of him over the last number of years. So, and I believe he made his first start last season in the Hornets Nest road game at IG Field. Bombers won that game on a fourth quarter last uh, last minute drive. But Jake Mayer and Zach Caleros went shot for shot. And there, there was there was next to nothing separating Mayer and Caleros on that night. And so... I've liked the way Mayer's played in his two or three games against Winnipeg over the last number of years. So I'm hoping that brings a little more out in him, uh, out in him rather. Um, but there's a tough test for the Stampeders. This is a very good Winnipeg team, a Bombers team that has now won three straight, and they're still one of the... Willie Jefferson might be the best Willie Jefferson we've ever seen this year, and that, that's been one of the most dominant defensive players in this league for the last six or seven years. So... That D line remains an absolute beast. They've got playmakers up and down their their line, like the middle and the back end of their defense. 
that receiving core is as good as it gets. That's the number one passing offense. Yeah, if the team needed Kenny Lawler back, like, give me a break. Lawler, Schoen, Bailey. Like, it's ridiculous how good that receiving Nick group Dembski is. Nick Dembski. Nick Dembski is, is probably the most underrated receiver in this league. I'm not even afraid to say that in Calgary. And he's he's probably your most outstanding Canadian right now. It's probably. Dembski or Brady Oliveira. Brady Oliveira is by far the best running back in the CFL so far this year. So, like, they Wolitarski. It's just they they kind of have a, an embarrassment of riches. They should be all all intents and purposes. They should be eight and one. They shouldn't have lost that game to Ottawa. They did, but they should be eight and one. BC and Winnipeg have traded a couple of blowout wins over one another. Tough. It's a tough game for the Stampeders, but the way that they got it handed to them last week in BC. I think they'll be a much better team. I mean, this is a closer football game than maybe it might look like on on paper. What's the uh, what's the latest line on this one? I have not. Uh, I'm going to pull it up right now. Yeah, let me know what that is because uh, I'm curious. I've got a an interesting question to ask you once you find that. I'm assuming it's a it's a decent line. Like I'm assuming the the books probably have it. At, I'm going to guess Winnipeg six and a half. Okay, well this app doesn't tell me anything. Keep going, keep like that's going to be my <laughs> initial guess to this is that Winnipeg's favor close to a touchdown. Now, again, you're starting a backup quarterback, so I think that'll probably affect it. But still, given how bad last week was for the Stamps, excuse me, and given how good Winnipeg's been this season, I can see. I mean, we're not talking anything like you know, double digits, but Stamps haven't been good at home this year either. That's part of it, too. I think that's probably a storyline that we haven't talked about enough and one that I'm sure Dave Dickinson's brought home about Legacy Night 2 with okay. so many important people so, in the stands. So Bombers are uh, minus 220 down on the money line and uh, point spread, they're favored by four. So neutral Lower site. Than I thought. Neutral yeah. site, they're favored by a touchdown. So on the road, they're favored by four. Totals 47 and a half over at Sports Interaction. So Bombers mm. are the favorite, but... Yeah, I actually really don't like that number. I don't do not no. like that spread because I think it's going to be close, but four is kind of right in that threshold. I do think it's kind of a a three four point game um, to take the Stampeders plus four. That's tough, but I don't hate it just because I, I think the Stamps will be a whole lot better to, uh, this weekend, and and I think being back at home where they have not had a ton of success this year with a team like that and smarting from the way they played last week. I do feel like the Stamps will be a much better team. This might sound strange to some listening, but I'm curious where you're at on it, Pat. Is Logan Bonner's insertion in the lineup in any way, shape, or form a message to Jake Mayer? Because I think it is. Uh, how so? I, I think that it's, I don't think it's a, hey, your job's in in jeopardy sort of thing, but I think it's enough to for Jake to look at that and say, hmm, there's there's been a, a change there, and if everything was going perfectly well, then and look, maybe maybe Chris Reynolds is dealing with something, but I think to see that that Logan Bonner has been inserted into the lineup, all things considered, I, I don't again, I don't think we're talking anything of like if Jake has a bad half mm-hmm. that they're going to go to him. I just wonder if Dave isn't planting a seed of let's get this thing going here because I don't want to look at other options, especially two young options who have just made their way up and are probably. Still learning the CFL game. I don't want to have to throw them into those situations, but we need to get going here and we need to start. You know, we, okay. we can't have yeah, 150 I can, I can, yards. I can see that throwing anymore for an entire game. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and 
the thing is, I mean, the Stampeders don't have a ton of options when it comes to their quarterback situation. It's not like it's not like there's a there, there's a bunch of quarterbacks out there on the market that the the Stampeders or any other team for that matter can go and look at. So if it's not Jake, it's going to be somebody else on this roster. Because it's not Tommy they're Stevens. Make the change. I don't think they see Tommy Stevens as a thrower. No, I don't think so either. Just the, based on the way they've used him so far this year, and you know, Dane Evans is hurt. He's the only guy around the league that you could maybe say is like, okay. Well, he might be a guy that a team goes and looks at if they're looking for a change, but. It's not like Dane played all that well when Vernon Adams went down in BC. And I don't know, like there's just not a whole lot of options out there. And Saskatchewan's hurting at quarterback. Um, who's really Montreal's the only team that has not dealt with quarterback issues this year when it comes well, to well, injuries. Well, they did. Cody Fajardo didn't play last week. That's right. I forgot that Cody was a late game scratch. He didn't play against That's the Riders. That's right. Uh, Caleb Evans came yeah. in and played. So that was Montreal was the last team that hadn't had a quarterback change, and then Cody was because Cody went through pregame warmups, yep. but then was a late scratch. He was and dressed was and everything, ready to go against his former team, and couldn't. I told it. I wrote about. Go. I wrote about that at CFL.ca. Yep. I totally forgot <laughs> about that because I because if you're if you're Fajardo, you were chomping at the bit to play against your former team, mm-hmm. and then you didn't get the opportunity to do so. So every, I mean, literally everybody has gone through, if not injury, poor performance. I mean, Edmonton hasn't gone through injury, but. I mean, Taylor Cornelius hasn't played up to standard. Yeah. Uh, Hamilton's lost Bo. Ottawa lost Jeremiah Masol. I guess Toronto and Chad Kelly, but no, he got Chad injured Kelly in the Stamps game. And, and he, so he didn't miss a start, He did not though. miss a start. You're right. So that's that's pretty much, the, and that's, again, you're right. You're talking about a guy that was hurt still, but just didn't miss a start. That's the only team, I think, in the league that hasn't had a quarterback yeah. miss a start other than Calgary. Crazy. So... Uh, Markeith Ambles back in the lineup for the Calgary Stampeders. They will go with four American receivers, uh, which is something you don't always see, but we're going to see Tommy Lee Lewis, Reggie Bagleton, uh, Odoms Dukes is technically your starter, but Markeith Ambles is the designated American, and then uh, Mark and Michelle. This is, it was funny because you and me were talking about this the other day, you know, sort of the reuniting of, of the old receiving core here in Calgary. It's interesting because I, I see that, and I've seen a few people going, "Oh, you're going back to the, you know, the old faces, and you know that's that are past their prime." I couldn't disagree with that. I don't think this group is past their prime at all. Mark and Michelle to me still looks as explosive as ever. Reggie Bagleton still is just a yak machine for the Calgary Stampeders. I haven't seen Marky Thambles. He's coming off of an injury, so I'm curious to see there. But a couple games ago, Tommy Lee Lewis had. I believe it was what, nine or ten receptions for the Stampeders and was making things happen despite not being the biggest guy out there. I think the Stamps actually have a, a really good situation at receiver. Now, they started off very young, but they brought back some guys, and I think this is a really deep receiver room for Nick Lewis. I, I think it has. There is a lot there, and I think if they can open the playbook up a little bit and allow, allow Jake Mayer, or if Jake Mayer allows himself to push the ball downfield a little bit. I think there's a lot to like about this receiving group. And and of all of them, I mean, Mark and Michelle's look good. I just think they've kind of underused him so far. I know you're on the same page there. And Reggie Bagleton is still one of the top receivers in the CFL. He's still one of the toughest guys to defend over the middle. And he's, I think, as good as he's ever been. The problem is this offense just not has not been as dynamic as it could be. And thus, I don't think the numbers are as strong for Bagleton as perhaps they could be, or 
as strong as we're talking about him being as a receiver. So um, that's a that's a really physical Winnipeg defense on the other side. I think Reggie Bagleton's going to have a lot to say about the way this game goes. And the other thing that I'm really interested about in tomorrow's game is Kadeem Carey because, you know, Carey, everybody's raving about Brady Oliveira right now, and, and for good reason. This year it has not been close. Oliveira's been the best running back and the most consistent running back. I think he's got over 100 yards four times this year in Winnipeg. So everybody's raving about Oliveira, but I know that Kadeem Carey believes he's the best running back in this league, and he's been hurt this year, has not been able to really get off the get off the starting mark. But now that he's healthy, he's got a game under his belt. I wonder how motivated Kadeem's going to be for this game tonight, tomorrow night. It's going to be important. Uh, I think he has the ability to be the best running back in the league when he's healthy. And look, Dedrick Mills filled in admirably, but his usage was, you know, up and down as much as 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 anybody, and I think it's a good problem to have for the Calgary Stampeders. But it's always finding that balance, right? It's how do you keep the run game going if you get down a couple scores, and that's what happened in BC, right? You're down seventeen nothing in the first quarter. You're naturally going to start passing the ball more. The running game kind of gets left to the side. But Kadeem's one of those guys that can get involved in the passing game, right? I think his biggest value and what he might actually bring more than just as a runner, which is saying a lot because he's a great runner with the football pad, his pass blocking is fantastic. His ability from the backfield to identify the blitzing linebacker or the spare defensive lineman that might not get blocked up by the O-line is by far and away the, the best of any Stampeders running back. And I think that can go a long way to helping Jake get that extra time in the pocket to find his receivers like we've talked about because... Not that Dedrick Mills isn't. I think it's a, a skill that you have to adapt for over the years, and I think more experience helps you with that. Mm-hmm. But I, I just I find when Kadeem's in there, more times than not, that extra guy gets picked up and Jake gets a little extra time in the pocket. Well, and the one thing that I keep going back to is as frustrating as this year's been for the Stampeders, they're halfway through the year, they're three and six. This is as um pedestrian a stamps team as as we can remember in the last fifteen years. And yet, if they can put together not even record-wise. They don't need to go 6-3 and three in the second half, but if they can start to get their game to where it needs to be, if they can start to have more of their phases working at a high level together at the same time in the second half of the season, despite they've got some difficult matchups in the second half, this team can still make the playoffs in the West Division because Saskatchewan doesn't scare anybody right now. And, you know, the crossover is is not your ideal way of making it, but the crossover's still in the mix as well. And Calgary's still got a head-to-head game with Hamilton. So I, I just, they're three and six. They've been pedestrian. They've been frustrating. And it has not been a great year for Dave Dickinson's squad. And yet here they are. They're still very much in this thing with nine games to go. Uh, like I mentioned, Week 11 kicks off tonight from Hamilton. The 3-5 and five Ticats, the 0-9 Elks. Quickly, before we get out of here, does Edmonton end no. their losing streak tonight? That's uh, pretty quick from Pat. He doesn't have any faith in Chris Jones or anyone on the Edmonton I mean, franchise. at some point, it's going to happen. At some point, they're... Because they've, they've been in position to win numerous games this year and have pissed them away. But after pissing away a 22-point lead last, last week, I kind of feel like this one... I'm feeling like this one's a more... Um, lopsided win for Hamilton tonight. We will find out. It's a 5.30 kickoff tonight from Hamilton. Uh, Stamps and Bombers, of course, 7 p.m. from McMahon for Legacy Night on Friday. We'll have a live edition of the Stamps Report for you to get you set for game time uh, on Friday's edition of the program. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. 
TJ Brody and his wife Amber will join us next. Burgers to Beat MS. They are partnering up with AW Canada to uh, raise some money for a cure for MS. We'll talk to the former Flames defenseman and current Maple Leafs defenseman and his wife next as Sportsnet Today rolls on here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to the program. It's hour two, Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Pat Steinberg here from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios in Calgary, Alberta. On this Thursday, it's a special Thursday for plenty of people across the country. It is Burgers to Beat MS Day, and a former member of your Calgary Flames and now defenseman for the Toronto Maple Leafs and his wife Amber have a very special connection to this day and are raising awareness and funds to help beat MS. We're very happy this afternoon to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon welcoming TJ and his wife Amber. TJ, Amber, thanks for doing this today, guys. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, busy day, obviously. I'm assuming as uh, this is the big day for you guys uh, teaming up with A&W to, to help create awareness for this day. I guess, TJ, just tell us a bit about how this partnership with A&W came about. Um, yeah, A&W uh, approached us. Um, I think they, they heard about Amber's story, and um, we just thought it was a good fit. Um, there's 70% of people that are... Um, um, Diagnosed with MS, sorry, (laughs) Um, um, are between the ages of 20 and 39. So, um, you know, it's a pretty pivotal, you know, age. Um, Lots of stuff happening, marriage, kids. And uh, we just wanted to raise awareness and, you know, sort of let people know that they're they're not alone in it. And, uh, you know, I know when Amber was diagnosed, we didn't really know much about it. And, uh, you know, with the help of uh, MS Canada, um, you know, they have a great website where you can find out lots of information and, you know, personally talk to people about it too. So um, I think that was just big for us. And Amber, I remember you guys were in Calgary at the time when you got your diagnosis and you've talked a lot mm-hmm. over the years about how MS Canada was so important for you guys to, to find resources and to find more about it. And I'm sure that's been a story you guys have heard from a lot of other people as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, when I was diagnosed, like I feel like things have come such a long way, even in this um, eight years that it's been. Um, all thanks to events like this, um, Burgers to BMS is um, A&W's annual fundraiser, and they have so far raised um, almost $2 million. So wow. it's huge. Uh, how has life changed for you in case people aren't necessarily aware, Amber, of what MS involves on a day-to-day basis going back to when it initially happened for you how is how did life change on a day-to-day basis yeah everyone ms is tricky everyone's journey with it is so different so it's not like a one-size-fits-all kind of um condition for me um, i experienced things like blurry vision um fatigue numbness um things that you you do hear about but um yeah of course all new to somebody who doesn't know a bunch about the disease and uh, TJ, I've heard you talk plenty about how Amber's daily routine involving exercise and, you know, doing all the things that she needs to do in a day kind of resembles what you have to do as a as an athlete, keeping up with experience in a sort of a day-to-day routine. How did it change for you when she got the diagnosis? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a, an inspiration to me, um, you know, seeing seeing the change in her, you know, lifestyle from, from day-to-day. It's... Um, you know, something that I've tried to do myself, um, you know, especially getting older, um, you have to pay attention to that and, and do it more. Um, and it's, you know, it's helped 
helped on the ice too. Um, it sort of puts life in perspective that hockey isn't everything and there's more to life and uh, to appreciate the, the family and friends that you have and, and the experiences along the way. And I guess going further with that, TJ, that was a big part of your decision to, to, to move to Toronto and sign with the Leafs a couple of years ago, knowing that you guys would have some family and resources around when you guys were on the road, that if Amber ever needed that extra help, you had somebody that she could turn to close by, eh? Yeah, yeah, that was that was one of the reasons for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to be close uh, to family, especially – you know, who knows how long the career is gonna gonna last, and um, you know, to to have that time with with people, and you know, them to be able to come and watch games and stuff, it's been special. And, and I guess Amber, talk to us about that that change as well from going to Calgary to Toronto. Where, did you have to change a lot in your routine? Were the resources that you found in in Toronto similar to the ones you had in Calgary? Definitely. I mean, it was an interesting time when we. Um moved because it was peak COVID. Um, so it was, it was interesting, but yeah, I, I had to find um, a new specialist and doctors and just navigate my way through the city. Um, but yeah, um, lot, lots the same and everything's been, been great. I've had a lot of support here. So um, yeah, I mean, I love Calgary and I yeah. love Toronto. Um, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, inspiring other people to, to share their story and go through this journey because TJ talked about it here, and I've heard him say it before, that he's been so inspired by, by what you go through and how you've made such a, a positive out of it. But how hard has it been at times maybe to to be public about this whole process, knowing that it, it is a very personal thing? And like you mentioned, everybody goes through it differently, but here you are talking to us, and I know doing other radio hits so that other people can get as much help as they need as well. Yeah, it is super personal, and anyone who knows TJ, he's um, very private and keeps to himself, so this was um, a decision we made together, Um, but I think after accepting um, the condition and just having it a part of my new normal, it's um, it's been special to to share my story and have others reach out to me who are are experiencing similar things. It it probably helps them um, talk to somebody um, that knows a little bit about what they're going through, and it also helps me. And uh, a big part, too, I wanted to mention of, of, of MS is actually that 75% of Canadians living with MS are, are women. So right now it's it's heavily driven for females, not as many males, but it's certainly something that affects uh, a lot of Canadians. You guys have mentioned that. There's no cure, but you guys have seen tremendous progress from when this process started for you, Amber. Totally. Like we hosted the um, MS on Ice Gala when we were with the Flames. And I feel like just from what um, we've we learned then about research um, to now, it's just it's come such a long way. That's great to hear. Uh, Is there anywhere that people can go uh, as far as resources or websites that are easy to access that uh, you would recommend to people looking to learn more about MS? Yeah, I would definitely check out the MS Canada website. I mean, they have, like TJ said, a ton of information. Um, they're always, like, up to date on the latest treatments and research, research that's going on, and they have um, a support line, which is also super helpful. That's great to hear. And TJ, i got to mix in one quick hockey question for you. Uh, your GM's back in, in Toronto. How cool is it to have Brad Treliving, uh back in the organization with the Maple Leafs? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, you know, that's the second time it's happened. I thought... Uh, <laughs> I thought after we left that I'd never play a Geo again, and uh, you know, <laughs> now he's here, and you know, and Hutchie's back too. Um, 
you know, and it's it's special, you know, doing this at that time too. Um, she was a big support when Amber was first diagnosed, and um, you know, he was always there off the ice if we needed anything. So. You know, to be back with him, it's uh, special. That's great to hear. Uh, guys, thank you so much for taking the time out today. Amber, thank you for sharing your story. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Burgers to beat MS. Make sure you grab a teen burger at A&W today, guys. Enjoy the rest of your offseason. And, and, TJ, best of luck this year with the Maple Leafs, hey? Thanks. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you. TJ Brody and his wife, Amber Brody, joining us down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. They're teaming up with A&W Canada for Beat uh, MS, uh, burgers to beat MS, excuse me, uh, featuring uh, you know Canadians with multiple sclerosis. Uh, MS Canada uh, at MS Canada official on Twitter. If you need more information, uh, or Pat, if you'd like to, just this afternoon, two dollars from any teen burger that you purchase uh, goes straight to MS Canada as they uh, look to find a cure. You did a hell of a job on that. Those, I tried. I, I I dread two person interviews like that, and you nailed it. Good job. Thank you. Uh, yeah, look, hey, the, the work is, is from TJ and Amber and all the uh, the great things that they're doing. And um, I, I always admire people like Amber and TJ in the sense of if I was going through something like that, I don't yeah. know how how much I'd like to share about it. And uh, they're doing interviews with us. They were doing interviews on our sister stations today as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very open about this. And... That's not easy. They've got kids. They've got family. And as you heard from Amber there, and you know this, uh, covering the Flames as long as you did, TJ's just not a spotlight guy, right? He's not a, a share every detail about my Monday to Friday with everybody kind of guy, and that's perfectly okay. But this sort of thing, you know, obviously takes a, a precedence for them, and they want to set a bigger standard to, to help out as many people as you can because maybe you don't know about MS and Maybe this was your first time hearing about it today because TJ and Amber wanted to talk about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I, I remember, um, I remember when uh, we first heard about it uh, seven or eight years ago when TJ was still a member of the Flames, and uh, I remember, um, I, I, even then, I remember that it was uh, one of those things that was super personal, and yet they fairly fairly quickly after the diagnosis, they they wanted to start raising awareness and and. You know the one thing the one thing about TJ during his time in Calgary he um he was really he he helped out in a lot of and and again not always the the most as you mentioned it like he loved to be in the spotlight guy and there's lots of guys like that in the NHL who who aren't in love with being in the spotlight but you know TJ was always was always willing and I thought was always the most um best word he was always the like he was always the most gregarious or effusive when he was talking about his charitable ende- endeavors. And I, I always thought that was cool because, you know, and it was just the day-to-day hockey stuff. It's like pucks in deep and all that type of stuff. <laughs> uh, was, wasn't as in love with doing those things in the media, but when it came to some of his different charitable endeavors, even before they got involved with uh, MS Canada, he, uh, he was always really fired up. And, and I found Sam Bennett to be the same way and, and a number of other guys. You know, when it was talking about, the actual day-to-day hockey stuff, say, so, yeah, whatever, I'll give you the stock answer, and, you know, I don't really want to be doing this. But when it was about these types of things, uh, the interviews were really, really engaging. So, good stuff. Uh, and cool point at the end there. I, I wanted to just get one, and I know that's not what it's about. Yeah. It's not about the Leafs. It's not about, you know, I was going to dive into the decor changes for the Leafs or anything this year. But I, I like that. And that's something you know, again, as well, Tree's always been super supportive of 
of players' initiatives and yeah. when he was in Calgary helping out players with whatever situation they were going through. And you could tell just hearing from TJ, there was some comfort in that, knowing that this was a guy that supported them in Calgary and understood what Amber was going through and having that back again in Toronto was going to be a nice thing for him. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Tree, uh, Tree was a very busy guy in this city, but I've, I won't, I won't even, um, I won't even give you the exact examples, but I just know on multiple different times, he uh, behind the scenes helped out with a couple of things and, and helped out in, in such a large way that, would surprise you for a guy in his position, the uh, generosity, both, you know, financially and the generosity with his time that he put into some things, even behind the scenes that he did not get recognition for. That was, uh, that was a good man. He is, is still yeah. a good man, but he uh, did, did a lot of good things in this city. Uh, piece of hockey news I wanted to get to with you, Pat, before we uh, flip things over on the hour. An interesting statement from uh, former Blackhawks captain Jonathan Taves today. Uh, that announced he's not retiring, but is taking a break away from hockey this upcoming uh, season. Uh, he posted a statement to his Instagram page just hours after he posted a tribute to the Blackhawks organization and fans. Uh, 35-year-old attributes ongoing health struggles related to long COVID and chronic immune response syndrome as a reason for his absence. Missed the entire 2020-2021 season uh, due to chronic health concerns but was back to captain the Blackhawks for the past two seasons. They obviously mutually decided to part ways at the end of last season. Uh, his last game was April 13th at United Center. Uh, he says he's a free agent and returns, intends to return to the game of hockey, but we don't know when that's going to be, and we do know it's not going to be with the Blackhawks. Yeah, and we're talking about a guy who is into his mid-30s now and is, look, Jonathan Taves is, I, I, I believe, still an effective NHLer, but I'm really curious to see what type of what type of interest there might be. He's 35 years old now, and so what type of interest might there be in him when he's ready to return? And because I, I, I think there will be interest. You take a look at how Eric Stahl even I was going to bring up Stahl Eric Stahl came yeah. back after not playing, and he went remember he went to the Spangler Cup and then came back and. And played, and um, I I think that there will be teams, especially teams that are in the playoff mix. If he's ready to return in January or February, I bet you there will be playoff contenders who look at Taves as a guy that, as a number three or number four center on uh, on, a, on a fairly low cap hit, that they'll look at him and say, "Yeah, we really think that there's there's something that we can uh, there's something that we can." take advantage of here and he might be a guy with all of his with all of his playoff experience and the fact that even last year you remember the game that he he played at the at the Saddle Dome where Yes, he, I do. He, that was his first game back or one of his first games back after missing a little while and even though he looked tired, he looked off the pace. He was still that was the game that they that basically ended their season yep. if I remember correctly and Jonathan Taves despite looking like a, a guy that had really been struggling with with the effects of that long COVID, still made four or five plays that you're like that that guy thinks the game's still at an extremely high level. So I think I think he will be able to help a team, and I'm curious to see what type of what type of interest there is out there. So Eric Stahl went Buffalo, then traded to Montreal, mm -hmm. goes on the Cup run with Montreal when they were the West representatives yeah. in the bubble. Didn't get a contract in the offseason. Started the year 
started his year in the AHL with Minnesota's farm team, Spengler Cup, and then That's didn't right. he played with the Iowa or started with the Iowa Wild. Yeah, right. Spengler Cup, and then nothing else. Twenty one, twenty two, and then Florida last year, where he put up twenty nine points in seventy two games, and again another twenty one playoff games, only to come up short in the Stanley Cup final. I'm interested for Taves because. If this is a thing where he says, February, I'm going to come back. Yep. I'm going to take my my shot with a team in February. Talking about a really good pro-rated deal at that point. You can see who's a contender, right? Who can use you the most and and hop on the train then. Because Taves is, look, Eric Stahl won a Stanley Cup as well and, and still went cup chasing at the end. Same with Corey Perry the last couple of years. But I'm interested for a guy like Taves who has multiple cups and wasn't a, a young winner like a Perry or a Stall, if that need to to jump on board is there as much. Because I can understand from a Stall or a Perry, you're talking like 15 to 20 years of your career in between winning a Stanley Cup. Right. Right? When you were a young, probably know-nothing in the NHL level kind of guy, like Corey Perry or Eric Stall were to begin their careers, and now you've gone so long and you want that feeling, it's different for Jonathan Taves. He's won multiple cups. He's been the captain uh, of multiple teams. And, yes, it's been a couple of years now since they last won it. But, I mean, he was part of what we were debating, whether or not it was a dynasty in Chicago. I'm, I'm curious if that if that same fight exists for him as it would as some of those other guys that we've talked about, whether it was a guy that's never won a cup or a guy that's gone a very long time since winning one like a stall or a parry. Well, based on what I know about Jonathan Taves and and based on what has been kind of central to his success in the NHL, my guess is yes. He the the primary thing that'll drive him is coming back and winning cuz that that's a guy that you know, we always have the conversation about players who love winning or hate losing and how important it is to have guys who despise losing and that's what drives them. I, I don't know if there's a player on the planet that is more driven by that than a guy like Taves is. Captain Sirius. Captain Sirius. And remember, remember the last time they won a Stanley Cup, and I think it was round one, or might, I don't remember what it was, Stanley Cup final, whatever. But remember Seabrook had to go into the penalty box and calm him down. Mm, and, yeah. and like that, that, guy, that guy is driven by losing, losing kills him. Losing, losing eats him up inside. And these last few years in Chicago – have been really difficult. So I, I, as as we were talking, you know, just think. And I know that Boston has lost Bergeron and lost Krejci, so we don't know what the hell the Bruins are going to look like this year and what type of team they're going to be. But say Boston goes out, and whether it's Elias Lindholm or another name that's out there, and with Jim Montgomery as their head coach and, and with Linus Allmark back there in net, the Bruins are having another really good season. And they're going to the playoffs again. It's very clear. All of a sudden, Jonathan Taves is ready to return to the NHL. A team like the Bruins, a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team like the Colorado Avalanche, something like that. They could use a depth center. I don't think Taves is in need of a big payday. I think he is... uh, He's just finished up a however long deal, eight-year deal at $10.5 million. Let's find out, cap-friendly. How much has Jonathan Taves He's made? into the nine figures in terms of his career earnings. How about $115 million? So, yeah, uh, I don't think that, you know, if, if they offer him $1.2 or 850 or whatever the case may be, he'll be just fine. So, all of a sudden, you add a player like that who can be your three or four center, 
you still you you know all the intangibles that he's going to bring to the table, and he can still play. And now he's a rested Jonathan Taves, who does not have the wear and tear of an 82 game season to go along with it. Uh, there, there's there's something intriguing there. That's that's the type of move I think we're going to be talking about a playoff team bringing in a fresh rested, motivated Taves, and hopefully at that time the long COVID stuff is is well behind him because that is the part that anybody I, I have not, anybody I've talked to who has dealt with it, it is, it's like a high ankle sprain. It just, you think it's getting better, you think you're past it, and then bam, you feel like you're run over by a truck again and you're tired and you can't get out of bed and whatever whatever the symptoms are that have, have manifested that long COVID it it can be a real, real difficult thing to get past. Colorado is such an interesting one that you bring up because I look at it there. They've reworked their center ice depth mm-hmm. this offseason. Confer's gone. Johansson's in. Ross Colton's in from Tampa Bay. Say February comes around. If you're Colorado and you just want to sit there and go, look, we're going to bump Ross Colton to 4C and we're just going to throw Jonathan into the 3C. Like, doesn't that just fit? That just fit real nice with Nathan McKinnon down the yeah. middle, Ryan Johansson, and then you go Taves and Ross Colton's probably one of the better four C's in the entire league if you put him in that position. Yep. Doesn't that set you up just perfectly down for another playoff run if you're the Colorado Avalanche? Yep. It's those kind of moves that, you're right, don't come around very often, but you take advantage of it. And for Taves, it's nice because you don't have to guess at the beginning of the season, right? You think You always think that this team's going to be a contender, right? That X, Team X is going to figure it out and is going to be there at the end of it. Yep. Well, you don't have to worry about that now. Wait until January, February. We, we know, a lot of years we know, by that time, who's really looking to be in the playoff picture and who's not. Yep. You'll have a pretty good idea of you know, he's joining a playoff team and is going to be oh, 100%. playing hockey past the regular season, right? right? He'll, he'll have his pick of the litter because I think – any of those teams, and then throw in a bunch more. The Toronto Maple Leafs. You telling me that Terliving wouldn't be all over that, or you you name it. A team that is is Vegas, Pittsburgh. Like name a team, and again, the cap situation. It's it's going to be real easy to fit in because I can almost guarantee you, Taves will be fine taking a low cap hit deal to come play. And yeah, I I, I think that there is a lot that would be intriguing in that circumstance. Well, and who, and guess what? You don't have to give up anything, right? How many no. times we talk about you're that si- point in the season? You're signing a guy. Exactly. Yeah. You know, don't have to talk about giving up the first round pick. And so many teams are already in depth, you know, in, in desperate need of those picks because they've given them up the last three or four years. Well, here's a chance to make an ad and not give up a pick and a prospect or something so you can make yeah. a, a late season acquisition to make your team better. That's got to be appealing to a lot of different teams. Yep, hundred percent. To just have to go down and, and do that. So, and interesting too that the the split from Chicago comes and the Bedard era begins, and he won't have the the you know legends of old around him in Chicago, and for different reasons. And we don't have to get into them. I think that's probably a good thing for Connor Bedard that the. The old regime is is gone, and he can start afresh in Chicago. But it's interesting to see that, you know, so many of those guys still hang. You know, L.A. still got Kopitar, uh, gets left well, in Perry. We're around, but you know, 
Who is now, it's just Kane of the old guard in Chicago. It's just Kane that is still playing. Seabrook not playing anymore. Keith He's is just gone. retired. Crawford's not playing anymore. Uh, Host is not playing anymore. And we'll see. We'll see what happens with Taves. But yeah, there's uh, there's not much left. No, and I'm, I'm very curious to see how that... And look, he's got, and we've talked about this before with the Bedard thing. He's got Felino, he's got Pear, he's mm-hmm. got guys that are going to help him away. But it's funny that, you know, you mentioned the old, you know, the old guard is the way to put it. They're not going to be there for any of it. And um, that's an interesting one to, yep. to watch. Do you think, T- who signs first, Taves or Kane in your mind? Um, both of them are out there now. Taves or who? Kane. Patrick. Kane. Kane will sign first. Think so? Yeah. Similar spot too, right? By the time he's done his his uh, shoulders, his, oh no, hip, I believe. I want to say hip. Yeah. For uh, for Kane, for Patrick yeah. Kane, yeah. yeah. So he's got he's going to miss time to start too, but I, I wonder for him if he doesn't, you know, similar thing. Find some time to to pick out a best team and and go from there. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, interesting to see that uh, two Blackhawks. Now, again, we don't know if I, I would assume Taves comes back and plays this season. If that's his intent, a full year off wouldn't make a lot of sense to me. But uh, we'll wait and see as he's announced that he's stepping away from hockey at this point, but is not retiring and does intend to return uh, to hockey at some point. He's Pat Steinberg. I'm Logan Gordon. That's wrapping up uh, our two of Sportsnet today on this Thursday afternoon. Thank you to everyone who joined us this afternoon. We did lots of. Uh, Talk about some cool events happening around the city, uh, including the Shaw Charity Classic. Round two of the Pro-Am is on at Kenya Meadows Golf and Country Club this afternoon. Uh, free admission today, but round one gets going. You're going to need tickets for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday if you're heading out to Canyon Meadows. We had uh, George Richards join us in hour one to chat about the Florida Panthers uh, for our NHL offseason in review. Also, TJ and Amber Brody uh, joined us a little bit earlier on this segment to talk about burgers. To beat MS, go to an AW location today. Uh, every team burger sold two dollars goes to MS Canada. Uh, highly recommend if you missed any of that to so check out the interview when it's uh, up on the podcast. Wherever you get your favorite podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher here on Sportsnet 960, the fan.